0: So I reiterate here, the bill is dead.
1: The story of this great city is about the years before this night. We are friends! Hey everybody, this is Ho Ho Hong Kong and I'm your host Vivek Mabubani and today I'm joined with... Mohammed Sweaty Magdi. There we go. It very is, in, in fact, very sweaty, very summery, and we're in air conditioning, and clearly I'm my budget... I'm hanging
0: inside the air conditioner unit. Yeah, and still, and even understand. with that, we're yeah. still lacking, I just right? think,
1: it just sucks. Uh, <laughs> this, is the poor, this is the trouble with Hong Kong. But you oh. also
0: know me, like, I complain anyway. If it's raining, I would also complain.
1: Yeah, you probably so, complain in winter, like, I'm not sweating enough, <laughs> I'm not yeah. detoxing, yeah, I need some yeah. help with that. It's just my existence. Yeah, so but yeah. if people want to see you not sweaty, where do they find you online? On Online, exactly, that's it. This is <laughs> going close to me. I am at the other Mohammed uh, and I'm
0: also putting some dates up and stuff on my website MohammedMagdi.com. my website I've always been there I just never updated it but now I'm starting to so go on there see I'm because I'm headlining uh, backstage next month yeah. so I'm going to start putting some content up just to kind of like lead up to the headliner so yeah find me at the other Mohammed Instagram the website MohammedMagdi.com and what about yourself
1: uh, just add funny Vivek sometimes with letter M if you like it put it in uh, it's me it's, <laughs> it's pretty much me I mean if there's another funny Vivek it's I want to sue him Vivek this <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, this is me Looking for that guy. I dot wonder
0: com. how, like, if our audience are tired of the jokes about your handle yet. Uh, I'm pretty sure they are,
1: which is why <laughs> they like, like stop it. They're this silly. is the power of podcast. You're not funny. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. And the, ba- the good thing is, if you have the right podcast app, you can actually forward through this beginning part. True. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think skip.
0: yeah. Spotify has like a 15 seconds thing. Something I like always that. do it with the sponsors. Yeah. This is also one great way to get sponsors for the ad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. skip through it all. <laughs> skip through <laughs> uh, Yeah. But what you are listening to right now is in fact a free episode, so I highly recommend you don't skip it out of respect for our creative yes. input. And uh, speaking of creative input today we're not just gonna be chit-chatting between you and myself we actually have a guest oh yeah yes today we have the beautiful and what's the very i shouldn't say that (laughs) (laughs) leave it in why did i do that just just to
0: show i was (laughs) like i was thinking like sunsets (laughs) (laughs) my
1: brain was like oh sunsets are beautiful i'm like oh beautiful i'm like ah. we are leaving it in i know you edit the podcast don't edit that okay let's just keep going all right (laughs) <laughs> ahem, ahem, ahem. we have Lindsay Vardy with us the uh, the co-author sorry the author now you're trying so hard to oh not say beautiful
0: <laughs>
1: Do you, like, I mean, this really is a guys. disaster <laughs> all right, for all listeners let me explain to you why that was a big no-no right so yeah. in comedy whenever we introduce comedians and if there's a female comic there's a very bad taboo that we're like oh for every other comic who's in, who's, who's not English I mean, there's a guy are you drunk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sweaty that's we normally like, oh the funny you know the hilarious when it's a female, It's like, oh, the beautiful. It's like, why? Why did yeah, you have to go call Yeah, such a cop out. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. it's exactly. yes, so
0: like, are you not, I try to avoid calling her funny, or yeah. do you have to say beautiful? Yeah. And also sometimes I'm like, she's not beautiful. Like, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> <good.
1: laughs>
0: not you. <laughs> <laughs> Canadians. <Yeah>. So <laughs> it's but, <getting> but, really <laughs> awkward. Yeah. So when I said the beautiful, right, now, I'm like, let's edit the entire part. Let's just start <laughs> over. Okay. All right. No, I like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am kidding. Keep all of that in. All right. Just let you know, if you don't like all this junk that we're doing, subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, that is way actually, more editing. When we respect our guests. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Your time is money to us. Okay. So we got Lindsay Vardy, we've got she's got the book Sunset Survivors, which is a beautiful book nah, the book is beautiful. I can say that. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's all about stories of people in Hong Kong with different professions who are more traditional professions, and also all the stories that you probably don't realize until you actually walk into the shop. So I was just quickly flipping through the book and you will see some stuff like face threading, which is very essential for people like Mohammed and myself. Yes. Right? Exactly. So we can definitely use that. (laughs) So, Lindsay, thank you for coming on to our show, and welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. I'm glad we finally allowed
1: you to speak. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) thank you. Five minutes of podcast, she's like, I'm sitting there. I loved it. Quite a build-up. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, you also have the headphones on, so it's all like inside your head. feels very professional. I know. So, Uh, how are you doing?
2: I'm very well, thank you. Yes, a nice day. You had
0: a staycation? How was that?
2: I did, yeah. Yeah. So, it was my first time I went to the Rosewood Hotel, so it was very nice. But I brought my dog, which I thought would be really... Really sweet and really, really nice. And yeah. it, it was cute. And we got the photos, but um it's mayhem. Don't bring your dog to the
0: Rosewood. Do, do they even allow it or do they just smuggle you just your dog in? Yeah. Oh, <laughs>
2: no, 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 I'm kidding. You definitely, you're allowed it. But there's just
0: nowhere to walk your dog around the Rosewood. Is your dog big or small?
2: Uh, he's like just a Hong Kong mongrel. Okay. He's seven months old, so he's kind of medium-sized right uh. now. But I, he loved it, but I just... Like got anxiety about him like weeing on the carpet at the Rosewood and stuff like yeah, that. Right, so, yeah, right. Yeah, it was all okay though. We got we got through it. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So there's
1: no penalty charges at the end, right? There's no, nothing N- not nothing that you not that they like, were aware of. No, they <laughs> were yeah. leave check out. You're like, ma'am, you can check out at twelve. You're like, I want check out that. No, no, right yeah. now, yeah. right now, you can check <laughs> right out right now. now. <laughs> yeah, and bye. Done immediately. So uh, having done that though, the Rosewood is not a traditional kind of occupation in you know, a hotel stuff in Hong Kong. It's not that traditional, like compared to what you have in your book.
2: No, no, that was just a uh, for fun. But
1: then, what even brought you to this book? I mean, I'm, I quickly flipped through it. I'm looking at all these different people's stories as well. Like, was it just one day you were looking around town and said, hey, this is so cool. You know, what's this guy doing in this corner? Or this guy hammering metal? You know, what, what's going on? Well,
2: it's... Sort of a long story, but basically, I grew up in Hong Kong my whole life. And when I was young, my parents wanted me to sort of get to know the the real Hong Kong because they grew up in Hong Kong as well. My mom's actually Macanese, so she's Portuguese Chinese, but like five generations from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. My dad's uh, British, but he came to Hong Kong when he was six, and he's grown up here too. So they wanted me to get to know real Hong Kong. So they would take us to. Places like go and eat congee, you know, eat like all the black egg yeah. and, the and all these kind of things. And um, we'd always go shopping at the wet market, get, you know, shoes fixed at local cobblers, things like that. And as I grew up, I think I just realized that more and more of these people that I used to see in my childhood were disappearing. And then it was when I was about 22 years old, I was living with my parents in like top of Lang Kwai Fong. Mm-hmm. And every day to go to work, I'd have to walk down the hill and there would be this... Elderly Chinese gentlemen selling small white flowers. You know the ones you yeah, see in yeah, cast yeah. sometimes. Yeah yeah, 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 the really
1: fragrant ones, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: my dad would always buy one of these and put it in his pocket. And then at the end of the day, I'd see that my dad had been there and see it in his top pocket. And you know, there's all these businessmen and women flowing yeah. to and from their offices. And as this very old gentleman selling these flowers for ten dollars mm-hmm. yeah. anyway one day I came home my dad didn't have a flower in his pocket and the next morning when I went down the guy wasn't there but of course you still have all the businessmen and women going to and from the offices right and it just made me realize that these people are disappearing and no one really knows yeah and no, one, no one's coming to replace them of course not right not, yeah. their children and stuff aren't aspiring to be white flower sellers in the corner of my like, right yeah mm-hmm. um so it, I just realized that this is like, for me, when they disappear, they sort of take a slice of Hong Kong with them, take a slice of Hong Kong culture and identity with them. So for me, it was really at that moment that I was like, right, I don't really care where this goes, but I just want to document them and their stories and sort of what they mean for Hong Kong identity before it's too late.
1: Actually, it's very true. You, you'll find that even in very, you could say, very modern slash Western areas of Hong Kong, you'll find that a little cranny that has a one shop that's been there for years. Yeah, exactly. Even here yeah. in are uh, in like so let's say Soho area, you will see if you walk down Hollywood Road there's like a corner barber shop that's in one yeah. of the little lanes near PMQ. Yeah. You have that one. Yeah. And on Peel Street before uh, there was a guy that used to repair umbrellas. Yeah. Yeah, he was on Peel Street. Wow. Yeah, and he was like little, little small. Little Do you shop have an umbrella there? repair person here? No, there, there is a really like famous
2: one in Sham Shui Po, but I didn't interview him because he was too famous. He told me. Oh really? Yeah? <laughs> yeah.
1: He was like, you better pay me for this. Yeah. <laughs> no he was just busy, so I was like, yeah. okay, yeah. I'll leave. But you
2: know, like umbrellas used to be luxury items in Hong yeah, Kong. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm wondering had like had who
0: them. takes their umbrella for repair yeah.
1: now. Exactly. You just yeah. buy a new you one. you just chuck it and buy a new one, right? Yeah. But
0: that's awesome that someone is still dedicated to doing that. Yeah. And
1: the shop is actually still there, and there are signs that says umbrella repair guy because right. I think that's just been there. It's up come tradition as well. But is he
0: selling like iPhone covers or something?
1: No, he's passed away already. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. sad. But the shop is still there. But the idea yeah. is that all these kind of things that if you've been around town and really looked at it, yeah. you would notice these small, small things that are just there.
2: Exactly. And sometimes they're right in front of you and you just don't notice. Like you come out the NCR in central and there's shoe shiners on the side yeah, of street, I know. Right? That's so cool. I interviewed them and they're like, oh, in the past, people used to sit here and we chat and I'd find out about them. Yeah. Now everyone just stares at their phone and no one talks to me. I was like, yeah. that's so sad. Oh uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, how often do you really stop and talk to these people and actually yeah. understand their story and why they're here and, and yeah. why they're not doing anything else? Because they don't have any other skills. They don't have a license to do anything else. Right. So it's I just find their stories fascinating and I wanted to share it. Because I think that the more you the more you know and understand about Hong Kong culture, the more you can fall in love with it. And then in the future, hopefully, the more we will protect it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think also the more you learn and you see these kind of local, very traditional... Places you appreciate how that family bonding is there. For example, like Sham Shui Po, right? There are certain places that sell really good cheng fun, which is basically the the rice rolls, right, with Mm -hmm. the little plum sauce and everything. And there's one or two that you have to stand outside and eat standing up. Yeah. And those are the old school type where people come in for a quick, you know, bite and get out. And yeah, they're super rude and I love it. (laughs) That's
2: that's the style. Yeah, that's the
1: style. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like more. I'm like I'm the guest in this episode because I'm learning
0: so much about Hong. I've been here for two years. So I'm learning so much about Hong Kong through you, too, and it's amazing. You just keep talking. i would probably be silent.
3: Um,
0: One of my favorite things uh, as a tourist, because I used to live in Shanghai, and I would come here, and everyone would tell me, go to the Australian Dairy Company. And I didn't know why they're recommending it until I went there. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're very rude. Oh, yeah, (laughs) the service is key. The the food is fine, but the service is what you go there for as Mm. a tourist, especially when they can tell that you're a tourist. You yeah. just couldn't care less about you. But it's yeah. part of
2: the experience, it is, right? It is. No it's no like, no. Yeah. to a I dong, you got to experience I live,
0: I round the corner from it now. Yeah. so I would go like once a month just if I feel like I want to be humiliated yeah. Yeah. so I'm just like I'm getting my <laughs> yeah. breakfast need a bit there of good there degrading yeah. you just go there, yeah. so the
1: Australian dairy company also known as is not Australian <laughs> it's not a dairy company it's not an office either right? solid name so yeah. Tim Chan has a whole joke yeah. about this where he's like nothing about this is real <laughs> but yeah like I talk about how uh, basically people line up just to as you said to be humiliated yeah. because the eggs are so good Right. I don't know what they do over there but maybe the hatred that they put in the eggs <laughs> they're like somehow it's better than like, deep frying like easier yeah. like I can feel these eggs are in pain Like yeah. they were better off being killed they're you know they're beaten <laughs> <Yes>. they <It> wanted <laughs> it exactly yeah so stuff like that exactly I tell people I'm like you have to go there and you will understand that this is not rude this is part of the whole experience yeah. and like in the states I think there's like a hot dog company where they actually yell at you and kind of insult you every time you order some food And right. people go there to be insulted do they, do they just fat shame you for order hot, hot, hot dog in the first place I, I don't I don't think in America anyone's fat considered their standards. That's so true. yeah, yeah. But I mean, they oh, have I that. Know. But the, like the Australian uh, milk company is a very good example where you go there and the menu has A or B, mm. right? And they're like, you better think before you walk in. Mm-hmm. We right. don't have time for you to consider. Oh, uh, you know, there's no us. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, and then secondly... There's also is
0: no customization for the
1: order. I can't be like, oh, can I get the milk no, don't tea? Don't but no, sure. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah, yeah. There's no can I. Yeah. <laughs> this oh, is, this no is, no. is all you can get, okay? Mm. So exactly. And I tell people that like, if you really want to eat local food and see the local mentality of why we're so crazy in a way, you see these shops and you kind of say like, oh, okay, I see how this works. I mean, these people are genuinely happy. As you said, like the, say, the shoe polishing, mm. They. you might say, oh, in the heat, who wants to do that kind of work? But you know the stories that they'll hear are fascinating and to them they, every day they're hearing all these top level people tell me things that they would never tell even their assistant you know so even coming back to the book I was looking earlier like on that guys do, do mahjong tiles as well like hand yeah. painted technically from a from purely business point of view it's like why would you do that yeah. like, this is unnecessary yeah and nowadays
2: nor- it doesn't make any sense you exactly. know, that guy does not know how to play Mahjong.
1: Really? <laughs> yeah. He that's told me, he's great. like,
2: why? I, I look at these tiles all day. Why would the last I thing I want to do when I go home is yeah. look at them anymore. It's so like, he's like never a, learn
1: yeah. That's like a drug dealer saying, why would I do drugs? I right, look at yeah, this all yeah. day. I'm yeah. around yeah. it the whole time. Yeah. It's a weird example, true, but I get like, it. Yeah. I mean, it's true because, <laughs> like, Dating I think that's how it works, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, i like, mean, it's
0: like a It's very expensive. I don't know if you've bought drugs, but it's like quite, like, if you're, if you're, like, using your own stash,
1: you're a terrible drug dealer. Clearly, I have zero experience with that. I'm like, <laughs> uh, wait, drugs? Do you mean uh, for the Panadols? the <laughs> like yeah, I those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the pharmacist? <laughs> yeah. So you have those as well. And it comes back to like uh, a lot of these traditional jobs where these people are really good at what they did and they were known for that. Uh, like even if you go to Shen Wan, uh, why I refer to all these places is I want to tell people that even Sai Poon and Sheng Wan, between two fancy coffee shops and a wine shop, you're going to have this one hardware shop. Yeah. Right? And you have this family that's just been there for all these years and that's what they do and all they like
0: cut keys and stuff
1: you've got those as well yeah. so even in central right outside the the yeah. mcr station you guys guys who are still cutting keys mm. and you're thinking like wait this is prime real estate you're right opposite like you know exactly. these super high-flying i banking companies and you're going like you want to cut keys so $3? what is what is
0: actually a question for both of you what is the legal situation for the kiosks do they own the kiosk do, do they are they is it part of the building behind it or how does like it the work green
2: ones you know yeah the green, green ones, they on okay. like ones they pay rent on those like the government issued ones they pay rent on those sometimes like if things are built into alleyways, they're also paying rent. Like there's mm. this one barbershop in Yamate that's paying like $4,000 just to run. They have one barber chair and they're mm. cutting people's hair. They pay $4,000 to wow. work in an alleyway. This is Temple Street,
0: right? Uh, no,
2: it's near Pitt Street in um, in Yamate. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay,
0: okay. I'm trying to remember which one. But, like, but is it like an old system of like a very old rental contract when they still pay like not so much for these?
2: Yeah, they have reduced rents, but it's still like if comparatively, you know, the shop is... A tiny cupboard-sized shop, sure. and they're still paying four k a month, which is a huge amount for them. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. And the main thing is the licenses can often <laughs> only be passed down once to family members, and then they're not allowed to be passed down again. L- letter writers, for example, mm. people that used to help illiterate people in Hong Kong write letters, they're still working. Actually, this is this is the page go, we're on yeah. right
0: now because I wanted to get to that because flipping through, this was probably the most fascinating story I've seen oh, okay, in the yes, book. Yes. Um, Yeah. What is letter writer? Because I'm, you know, I'm 32 years old. I like I remember playing with a typewriter on my dad's desk. But like, but also I knew, like, I, I thought this is just how you write letters for like official documents and stuff instead of like writing it with your hand.
2: Kind of as well. So basically in Hong Kong in like the 50s, for example, mm. there was only 60% literacy rate in Hong Kong. And not mm. everyone, I mean, compulsory education didn't come in until the 70s, right? So there's a huge portion of society in Hong Kong that did not know how to read and write. Yep. And of course, the official language is English. So even if you could you know, speak and write Chinese, you, you couldn't necessarily write in English. Yeah. So you had to find letter writers to help you correspond with relatives overseas or write any kind of government application for, or for jobs contracts, yeah. things like this, anything that you needed, welfare applications, all yeah. had to be written in English in a formal letter or a formal way. And so letter writers would help with that. Also, side note, for British sailors that fell
0: in love with local prostitutes, they needed to write
2: <laughs> love letters. And yeah. um, that these guys helped with that as well.
0: So they're writing in Chinese, basically.
2: English, Chinese. This yeah. guy here in the book, he speaks five languages. He's originally <sighs> from Vietnam. So he speaks Vietnamese, Cantonese, English, um, Mandarin, and French, because he's from Vietnam, right? Wow. he taught himself English from reading the he when he worked in vietnam he worked as an account secretary for columbia pictures yeah so he taught himself english by reading the scripts that would come onto his desk every day and he's wow. just like he's amazing yeah is he still around He is around, but he recently retired. So I mean, there were once thousands. Now there's two left working in Hong Kong.
0: Oh my god! And
2: they just help people fill in their tax forms, still Um, on their
0: typewriters. Dumb outsider question. I uh, next to my house there is the Kowloon Immigration Office, and there are people outside the office who are kind of like, I don't know if they just want to help people photocopy. Uh, like documents, but I think they're also helping them write official documents. Oh, possibly, do you yeah. know so about that? Like, like, do you know about this this job? Because I this is also an unusual job. For
2: I don't know that one to be honest, but it might yeah. be a form of something like this. Like, a lot of people don't know how to write formal letters, yeah. right? So sometimes it's that. But nowadays. You kind of always know someone that can help you for things like translations or writing yeah. formal letters there's definitely you can just google it as well
0: yeah. right I just find it like it's a it's a weird like job like sup- something that was created there was a void and someone capitalized on that because yeah. they're actually, they're not helping foreigners. They're helping other locals. Yeah. Um, they're like, oh, yeah, we have, if because back home, Egypt is pretty corrupt. So we have something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> shocker, <laughs> I know. But like here, it's pretty organized. But back home, you can actually line up for the government office for hours. Or you can go to the guy around the corner who has oh. the stamp. And you just pay like 50 pounds extra. And you just get the stamp right away. Uh. He has the government stamp. People. wow yeah yeah so i thought when i there's saw an it an i'm idea. like hey yeah. they are corrupt here too but then someone told me like no no yeah it's not like that here. they don't have the actual stamp no no they yeah. don't have the and actual they stamp. did yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a market there i know yeah. there is a,
1: oh maybe yeah, yeah. maybe get just on have it. It. an idea <laughs> 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 yeah right next to immigration by the way I great feeling, idea i think the reason the letter writer retired he's like i found the stamp I don't need this anymore. (laughs) I'm (laughs) millions. Exactly. (laughs) Why am I doing this with a damn typewriter? Yeah. I can do it myself.
2: But like for loads of these guys, they chose to retire eventually because they were too old or they they couldn't keep doing it. But, you know, normally they would retire earlier because their children would take over the family business. But of course, their children have been to school, have been to university. Very few of their children wanted to take over these old traditional industries. They're going to go on to way different things. And they were very proud that their children didn't have to do that. But because their parents had left this job to them, they insisted on continuing until a lot of them say, like, I'll work till the day I die because it's the last memory of my father I have. This is all he left me and I don't want to give it up. That's amazing. So loads of them are like nearly 90 years old still working. And I'm like, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm also uh, very fascinated by the photographer. Uh, The the photos are very, uh, it's like your writing is beautiful. And I'm looking at the photo and it complements it in such a way. Like uh, who is the photographer? Like, can you tell us a little bit yeah, about him? his
2: name is Gary Jones. We worked on a previous project together. He's an amazing photographer. He's yeah. a graphic designer as well. So he did the graphic design for the wow, book too, okay. So he kind of doubled up there. Yeah. But I just proposed the idea to him. And at the beginning I was sort of telling him exactly the industry and everything we were going to see. And I was like, can you take a picture of this, 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 mm. but I'd almost done too much research. So by the end I was like, just turn up to this address and yeah. take pictures. So it actually worked out so much nicer cuz he just takes pictures of things that he found immediately interesting yeah. and then those his pictures are incredible like right so they are very
0: very beautiful it
2: helps sort of bring the whole thing to life yeah. otherwise it's just a heavy textbook which is not yeah. there
0: opinion. is a guy mm-hmm. who i don't know if you if you met or know of i was on Changshao like a month ago and i saw i just ran into a studio or a painting shop and there is this foreign guy who's sitting inside and i actually wanted to get him on the podcast except that we have to go to him because he's very very old right. but he has a crazy story. He has been there. He's basically been in Chongchao for 40 years. Never left. Very anti-Hong Kong. Not anti-government. He just doesn't like the island or the island oh, people. He's oh, yeah, yeah. he is just there. But he also, like, I told him I'm from Egypt. And he started speaking to me in Arabic. Wow. And then he also told me he met Oumu who is our, basically, John Lennon. Oh, like really? a lady who was wow. amazing in the 60s. And she would go on for, like, hours. she used to do cocaine and stuff. But she would, like, yeah. go on for, like, hours, concerts of three hours, one song. And, what? and yeah, yeah, it's like, th- so she's the, the, the legend that my parents and my grandparents grew up listening to. And he saw her in Morocco in a concert. And this guy would just go on about crazy stories. But then I'm like, okay, so wh- what are you doing here? It's just like, I'm just sitting in my studio. He's just painting. And that's wow. his whole thing. I actually have his business card. I can connect you with him.
2: Yeah, that would be amazing. But I
0: also yeah. want to get him on the podcast. But mm-hmm. the point is that I would have never found out about this guy. Except maybe if like a book like yours or if I just ran into yeah. him.
2: Or you just... Take the effort to say hi and see what he's up That's to. That's exactly. Right?
0: I ended up spending two hours in his shop yeah. just chatting with him. But
2: it's a very like non-Hong Kong thing to talk to
0: strangers. Oh, so exactly, yeah. oh, exactly. Especially he's actually up. kind of yeah. bummed out as well because he was like, "I used to get a lot more foot traffic. People are just curious about me because mm. he is so quiet. He's just like painting. Yeah. He's not trying to sell anything even, and yeah. he has all this records and he has like vinyls. It's a crazy place. Yeah. But he's and I asked him as like, are you, "Aren't you tired? Like, aren't you frustrated? He's like, "No, I'm just doing that until. I can't do that
1: anymore.
2: Yeah. Well, all of them said, like, I'm doing this because otherwise I'm just waiting to die.
1: I have no exactly. purpose. Yeah. It yeah. gives me
2: a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose. So I think yeah. that's a
1: really Hong Kong thing as well, right? Mm. We were brought up with the idea that you should be keeping busy. Doing something. Yeah. It's yeah. not a yeah. matter of sit at the beach all day kind of mentality over here. You're just brought up. And if you see, like, let's say his family members sitting around doing nothing, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. yeah. You cannot not be sitting around doing nothing. This is not a place for that. So, but then a lot of these people, I'm sure when you initially approached them, they might have been hesitant or were they just definitely. all... definitely. So, do you remember the time when you met someone, you walked up to them and initially they're like, I don't know, I don't know. But once they opened up, you're like, whoa, this is a completely yeah. new side of this person.
2: Definitely. And f- for loads of them, when I first went to them, you know, they're seeing this like white girl come up to their shop. They're like, please go away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. this is not for you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And yeah. I do speak Cantonese. It's not perfect. But I think when I, when I was speaking Cantonese to them, they're like, okay. She's making loads of mistakes, but at least she's giving it a go. And it's kind of like endearingly bad. So we'll talk to her. And also for every person I put in the book, I didn't include anyone that really didn't want to be in the book. So if anyone was really opposed to it, no problem, just leave them be. But for everyone that is in the book, I either tried the service or bought something small for them or helped them in some way so that I was showing like an appreciation. Because the way that I would approach it was like, I'm... Not just making a showcase of the fact that you're in a dying industry. I'm right. trying to represent I'm trying to show that you guys represent real Hong Kong. True. And yeah, you yeah. guys are the surviving remains of what is so special about Hong Kong. And that yeah. would often get them. But then for the first um interview I did, for example, was with a Shanghainese mm. barber. Oh, North Point. Oh, those are so cool. Uh, in Kuntong, yeah. ah, oh, no, North, point. <laughs> North Point, right? Yeah, North, North Point, point is where one. they
1: had the whole road. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
2: that one. And um they actually shut down recently, which is really oh. sad. But yeah, yeah. everyone that works in that shop is over 75 years old. Yeah. And as each one passed away or retired, nobody was coming in to replace them. Right. So it was really sad, but he, I said to him, okay, like, would you cut my hair? And so mm. it was only during the haircut that I was talking to him. And then that was how he kind of opened up. And like you said, then he told me like fascinating stories about, you know, he came to Hong Kong after the Chinese civil war, you know, to escape sort of everything that was going on in China, yeah. set up a life in Hong Kong with his family in a squatter village in Diamond Hill. And, um, found an old watermelon on the hillside and that's how he practiced shaving men's beards with a blade is yeah.
0: he practiced
2: on this watermelon
0: actually i have some some stories to tell you about living in shanghai and trying to get yeah? a beard shape but keep going
2: that's it really so yeah. it. Oh, yeah. and, you know stuff like that you find yeah. out all these interesting stories but that you just wouldn't have heard had you not stopped to take the time yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah when i moved to shanghai i was trying to get okay, a yeah. yeah yeah i tried to find it here as well uh, when I moved to Shanghai, I tried to get a haircut and I would go and i am be like, you know, back home, you're just like, hey, can you trim my beard as well? And the, 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 the horror that they would have on their faces about how they have to, they have to have a meeting about really? what to do with my beard. Even though, So in Shanghai, there is really a couple of options. Either you go and you try your luck and see what happens with a Chinese barber who's dealing with this much facial hair or you go to like an Irish guy who has like charges like 700 RMB okay. for, because that's the market. Like you right. have to have it done. But I remember, like, going to the same guy around the corner until I started to teach them how to do it.
3: Oh, nice. And in,
0: like, a year, other foreigners would go because this is the Chinese barbershop where they know how to... to expand Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I'm like, I should get get some kickback from this. (laughs) Like, I literally... Because it was, like, this young guy who's amazing at cutting hair, but he just had no idea what to do after that with, like, the facial hair. Mm. And I had to show him with, like, the razor and the thing... And he was like, oh, okay, so I can do this. And he messed it up a couple of times, and I was mad. And he's like, okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> and then I have to, like, shave it clean. And when I shave clean, I look 12 years old. It's not how <laughs> <I> look. <laughs> so I was really unhappy a couple of times. But then he got it. But I'm like, "How come? how come you guys don't know how to do it? And it's the same thing. It's like, okay, I have to... Start somewhere, and yeah. unfortunately, you are my start. So this guy started with a watermelon.
2: Yeah, that's how it worked. Because his wow. father was a barber, and he was yeah. like trying to resist becoming a barber. He didn't want to become a barber, but then it, it's the only skill that he could learn from his family. Yeah, and like so many of these industries, it's the only thing that you can yeah. learn. Yeah, And so he just gave up, and he's like, "All right, fine, but I'm going to teach myself." And yeah, found a watermelon. Yeah, and
1: I mean, the Shanghai Barber is it, it was quite famous actually. People in Hong Kong yeah. would know that place, and they would have fixed customer clientele. But as you said, yeah, the new generation were like, "Ah, oh, this is too old school." You know, this is,
2: yeah, people yeah. are worried. You know, that they're scared of getting clean blade you know, raise it. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And not yeah. many people want that anymore yeah. as well, right? You know
1: what's weird, though? Now, actually, it's coming back in Hong Kong where people have uh, facial hair for, m- for men is, like, a big thing. If you go to a lot of malls, you'll see a lot of shops that just sell facial hair products now.
0: Wait, yeah, what? Yeah, like beard yeah. oil and beard stuff Beard oil and like that. stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, beard. Oh, I thought you mean, like, fake beards. Oh, like, fake
2: beards. <laughs> <laughs> At first, <laughs> no. I thought that, too. I was like, <laughs> oh. what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah, not no, no. I will, my no, beard is...
1: oil, I, I use that as well. Oh, okay, Because otherwise, it's too, like, dry and weird. Yeah, yeah, but I'm you saying think having dedicated shops for that stuff now in Hong That's Kong. Like That's very niche, isn't it? Mm. But you
2: don't need to shave it for well, that, right? Like I mean, <laughs> trim it, sure. But Yeah, like trim.
1: But I mean, people are t- paying a lot of attention to facial hair. But I'm saying like a lot of these old shops where they had the blade shaving... Yeah. Right? that's not something you would just do at home no. I mean generally you would like someone else to do it so like I, I remember going to Chunking Mansion as well and over there they have a few shops that do the old school like the Indian style yeah. as well where it's like blade shaven do you give
0: an Indian uncle you don't know a blade around your neck <laughs> yeah. you freaking like psycho <laughs> in Chunking <laughs> Mansion <laughs> have you <laughs> what is wrong with you I go up to him and I'm and I you dislike... just like
1: <laughs> want to gamble with your life just know, <laughs> no I go up and I don't negotiate and he's like oh, I like you I like you oh that's why so if you
0: negotiate you know he's gonna <laughs> yeah. be like
1: Well, I mean, you might say I do it for 50. He's like, ah, fine, 50. And he has a blade. You're like, oh, I raised my price right now. Yeah, exactly. So Let's go go back to your original. I'm going
0: to tip you a lot if you let me live.
1: Yeah. I mean, this also brings another point that a lot of these people, you would see their stories. They were immigrants into Hong Kong as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because I remember doing a show with RTHK before where we were talking to different immigrants in Hong Kong and to realized that they're here for generations. This Mm -hmm. is not a matter of, like, they were just here, you know, for the last 10 years. So I'm sure a lot of these people who have these jobs and these traditional jobs came down, just did whatever they could to survive and kept at it. And it became, like, basically a signature of Hong Kong business and professionalism here in Hong Kong. Do you have one that stood out the most where, for example, that particular job, you're like, wow, this could really be useful for today's world, but, you know, it's a shame that the new kids are not really into it. It's like the construction industry now, right? A lot of people are saying that the challenge is we don't have enough manpower, Mm. on site you know, for construction which is why like, the government I think they're raising the, the, the salaries for that just yeah. to attract the new generation to do because everyone's like ah it's too much labor we still need it yeah. yeah we still need yeah. it someone's got to build that stuff right of course so do you, did one stand out when you were interviewing them that you remember well there's
2: a lot of things that like people still like to do it's just that there's been new modern ways of doing it which makes these people redundant right mm-hmm. like I don't know, street karaoke in, again, in Yamate, you know, those people. And people love karaoke in Hong Kong, right? But now you've got all these karaoke, you know, private rooms and lounges. I mean, we've all been, let's not lie. So like, you know, and they're great and you get a drink with it and all this kind of stuff. But you go to those outdoor ones, it's $5 for a beer um, and some snacks, some crisps and stuff. And then you sit around and people are having such a good time. And then yet government comes in and reopens the road for cars. So then all of these places get shut down. So it's kind of sad. Um, you know face threading these people are traditionally people had their entire face threaded to open their face to the groom before their wedding day right uh, and That's just like whoa okay but nowadays loads of people thread their eyebrows and stuff like that so she's got a real skill that's applicable to today and you right. know for like $40 you can get your whole face threaded or your eyebrows threaded it's um it's good but she doesn't have the the marketing power to sort of yeah. find the right people so she's still getting these old customers only a few regular customers but It changed a little bit. For example, the face writer, her daughter um, put her on Facebook. And um, so she got some new young customers coming in to get their eyebrows done. Yeah, and she yeah. doesn't really understand why people are, yeah. you know, doing it that way. Does she
0: don't make the connection? No. Is and
2: again, she had to be taught what is like a I modern know. eyebrow look because she was going oh, hard the on the right. thin yeah. eyebrows. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then people yeah. were like, Whoa. like the "Surprised yeah. look!
0: Yeah. Everyone is just keeping <laughs> <giving> their <Yeah>. <laughs> place, very surprised." Yeah, like so a Beijing opera kind of like. Exactly. <laughs> like, please no. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I think that it's just adapting, but many of them don't want to adapt. They've done things the same way their whole lives. They don't want to change it. They're just like, no, I don't care. And for many of them, you know, their children are supporting them, so they're not interested in making more money. Loads Fair of them I was like, I can help you set up an online shop. You know, I can help sell, sell more products yeah. for you. And they're like, no, please don't, because it takes us so long to make them that we're not interested in, you know, doing anything more. So
0: oh. I actually wanted to show you something along the same lines of, of your book. Uh, this might be a little weird for the listeners because we're showing a video, but this is basically um, a video of a guy in Egypt uh, who is one of the last uh, hand making tile? Like he cuts tiles and hand makes them. Oh, cool! Um, I was sh- like, I, you can watch the whole video later. But this guy mixes all the colors by himself. He has the mold, and it's exactly the same story. Like a lot of the people you interviewed, it, which is like he took it from his father, and this is the only thing he knows how to do. It. And he's like 70 now. Did not change even the. What is the thing you use to mix stuff? The shovel? Yeah, the shovel. All yeah. of it is just the same stuff that his dad used. And even the person who was interviewing him was like, why don't you just get a new shovel? It's was like, no, this is this is my comfortable shovel. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the and one that did all loads the classics. So they don't want yeah, to change but anything. But you can see like how how meticulous he is about like mixing stuff. Mm. And, and he's like, yeah, I'm just sitting here in my workshop. And they're like, why don't you stop? His kids told him to stop. He's like, no, I'm just going to keep doing that until I die. Yeah. Because they
2: have like, a lot of pride and a lot of yeah. like, respect yeah. for their father's business or yeah. whoever's maybe. And they're sort of very uh, proud of the work they do. And they don't want to give up. Also, mm. like many Hong Kongers, they probably live in like a small apartment with their extended family. And they yeah. said, if I retire, I'm just sitting at home <laughs> and probably going to have to like look after the grandkids or something yeah, like that. Right, like, yeah. Nah, no, yeah. screw that. I'm just 300 yeah. so
1: square feet for the whole family. I better get a job now. Yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, so i got to find work. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. But like
2: things like that, I find fascinating. And yeah. I think Hong Kong's really bad at um, celebrating their old crafts and showing respect for them. Yeah. I think we have so many and they're fascinating, but there's not really much attention given to them if you compare uh, Hong Kong to somewhere like Japan, for example, Mm. they have so much respect and admiration for their old craftsmen and women and you know in the middle of Tokyo you can find like somebody making paper fans and queues of people lining up to see how it's being made and yeah. all this kind of stuff and I people, saw like,
0: someone ma- making like origami or something yeah. in, in Japan as well I, th- I don't know if it was a show or a shop to be honest I was just a tourist yeah. but it was a lot of people just watching someone
2: watching to, and there's yeah. workshops and there's like ways of just watching him do things yeah. Hong Kong we just don't have that they're just like hurry up and close your yeah, business what so we you can build would, a nice shopping mall here so
1: would you say the reason a lot of these jobs are kind of going out is simply because of the, the culture of Hong Kong has changed to Way too practical, as in, like, why would I spend one hour doing something I could do in 10 minutes by pressing a button? Kind and of, it's, yeah. But would you say that when you meet these people, though, compared to, let's say, someone else who's a quote unquote professional at whatever other job, do you find there's a certain better happiness? amongst the the people doing these kinds of uh, jobs that you interviewed as well, compared to like anyone who's got maybe a high-flying job in an office. Yeah. Because what I notice a lot of times when I talk to people who, on paper, it looks like, oh man, I would never want to do that. But I'm like, do you realize that actually every day they wake up with a smile? Because they're like, I'm doing what I want to do. Versus like you doing a job because like oh I'm in an office but then I got to do with this client I got to do with Nicely. that yeah and that brings me to one one point is that a lot of times when people meet uh, individuals with different professions not the traditional ones mm. they assume things like oh you can't be happy this is a terrible job you right know, compared to what I think on paper is a is a good job to me yeah were any of these stories ones that you know you met them you spoke to them and you're like it made you re- reflect on yourself as well where you're like man I really you know I want to rethink what I'm doing with my life as well because they seem to be on the right track even though on paper it looks terrible.
2: Yeah, I think it, it. you reassess what is your measure of success, if that makes sense. So for many people in Hong Kong, your measure of success is how financially stable you are, mm. you know, oh, how much money you're making, what's your salary. And for many Hong Kongers, this is like, oh, yes, you know, I've done well in my life because I've got a stable job and I've got a good salary. And yeah. of course, that's important. Of course, I'm not saying it's not. But when I talk to all of these people, it made me realize that, they, like you said, they're all really happy and uh for many of them what was important was not what they were making was their like everyday lifestyle and the things that they were looking forward to in the day were like oh i love uh, lunchtime with my friends because we all get together and we like and like talk about this and like have mm. a little gossip and yeah you know and the main thing that they all said which i feel like in today's modern world we lack a little bit of is that they had this like human connection and you know, in, in their day, you would go to the rice shop and talk to the rice guy and then yeah. you go over here and buy your meat from the market store yeah, and yeah. talk to, And everybody knew each and other. And they
0: ask about your kids. How are exactly. they doing? If they're, like, abroad or something, exactly. are they coming back? Stuff like that. In Chinese,
2: yeah. it's yunting meat, right? There's no, yeah, yeah. There's no h- uh, human there's no connection. Human, yeah, human. That, yeah. Yeah. that was how I would kind of say that. But, like... You know, the bakery is the Happy Cake shop that I Mm. interviewed. And that's on Wan Chai. If anyone's been to Queens Road East, it's like a really famous bakery there. Yeah. And I asked the guy, like, what's the difference between I saw
0: an interview with you, uh, like uh, the video cut, like a few seconds of you walking into that shop. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I hate doing videos <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why <Wow>, you look <laughs> great no
2: so I was like casually walk by this shop I'm like what face do you make when you're doing yeah, that it's yeah, so Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I mean it was about, also
0: uh, the camera was yeah. on the other side of the street so it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't oh, there's that there's another path.
2: one that like pans around me where I'm in the middle of Sham Shou and then there's like all these people walking by me like
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, everyone thinks you're an actress or something. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, exactly. looking at you and like, is she lost? I mean, yeah, yeah, why exactly. You like, yeah. she walked yeah.
0: with her own camera crew the whole time. Yeah, what's like, her yeah.
2: deal? Just like a mad Instagram kind of girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but no, like that. That bakery said to me, I said, what's the difference between you guys and like a chain bakery? Yeah, and they said, Yan Sheng Mei, like they are basically they know all of their customers. Yeah. Their yeah. customers come back because they know them. Yeah, exactly. They ask how your family's going. Yeah. All these school kids line up and they serve their parents before and then them, you know, these young kids now, they know what their favorite buns and breads are and stuff like yeah. this. And yeah. it's just like, I think you lack that. You compare that to like, I don't know, seven eleven or something like now. And don't get me wrong, love a good seven eleven, but there's over nine hundred in Hong Kong and Macau combined. It's also like,
0: yeah, Yeah. we all love a good like bottle of water at four AM when you really need it. But at the same time I've never it's but it's you don't weird like you turn like, up
2: and see the guy and be like oh no, but not Jonathan. just that like, yeah
0: because like I come also from a very warm culture where like even the 7-11 guy yeah. would remember you and sometimes even make a joke about you even if they don't really know you this yeah. is how you come in, like you connect with them but the 7-11 here it might as well be a robot honestly it's just of. like I know it's not their fault but it's yeah. you know it's it's whatever but I'm looking at it I'm like this is kind of sad
2: like I love my 7-Eleven lady she yeah. knows me well she'll get me my the noodles that I want at 4am <laughs> oh, <yeah, laughs> she yeah. knows yeah. but like at the same time like I don't know anything about her life or anything yeah. like that it's yeah. not like you know her personally And when you go to the supermarket at the cashier if you try and ask the lady behind the cashier like as they're beeping your things through Pocket Shop you're like so did you do anything on the weekend yeah. <laughs> it would be really weird they would be weird. like shut up there's more people in the queue Yeah. whereas yeah. what I understood from these people is like in the past you know you did stop and take the time to talk to everyone and and i think i sort of wish i lived in an era where that was normal yeah Mm. um because i love love uh, talking to strangers
0: yeah i I wanted to actually ask you so what were you doing before writing the book like what is your career trajectory Uh, like
2: so i've always written for lots of different magazines and newspapers and stuff Mm. like that but actually while i was writing the book uh, and for seven years I was a professional rugby player for the Hong Kong Sevens team.
0: Wow, um, okay. Yeah, so it was
2: really difficult to like finish training and then try to get to these Okay, shops. okay, well, well, slow down. I how? know, yeah, yeah. Tangent, sorry. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, it's okay but I just wanted to get because there is clearly no connection between None. professional
1: rugby player <laughs> and writing a book, No, no, right? there is. Unless I would, it's about I, rugby. How do I tackle this challenge? Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah, nice. Like yeah that. exactly. Yeah, I'm going to use that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, not immediately and I think that it's nice to have something totally different when you're training all day every day and we're going on tours around the world that was yeah. it was incredible but i loved having a totally different world where i could you know work and write about something else and i think perhaps even representing Hong Kong on the field allowed me to sort of feel more connected to my city. And that was part of the passion and love that I have for Hong Kong culture. Also, I learned Cantonese through my rugby friends. So that helped me do all these interviews because I had to do it in Cantonese anyway. Loads of the girls helped me do some translations when I was like, I have no idea what this guy was saying. Like one lady just kept replying to me in Mandarin. I don't speak any Mandarin. So I was like, oh God, I just kept replying to her in cantonese and i have no idea what she was saying and apparently she was like oh my husband passed away and left me the license and i was like oh, okay cool so <laughs> <laughs> i was like i'm so sorry yeah but anyway
0: um wait i feel like we can start another interview with the professional rugby player <laughs> Lindsay party we, we like can start I mean, all over again
2: combination of <laughs> jokes, exactly yes no, I I I,
0: this is k- so crazy like so how did you play for the hong kong team Yes. I know nothing about rugby, by the way. But that's okay. Yeah, yeah, so but I,
2: yeah, played for the Hong Kong team since I was uh, 17 years old. But then only for seven years between 2013 uh, and 2020 was I full time professional, and then I retired in 2020. But I still play for the Hong Kong 15s team, but that's just part time. That's not a full time thing. So. so
0: you're still practice at least, like play yeah, and, and I still play semi for club professionally team for Tigers. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, so I, I love rugby. It's like just a huge. How did you get into life. it? My brother played, and I used to have to go and watch him all the time, and yeah. then I was like, "What's oh, great, I, I can do have this yeah yeah, yeah, and then I just really, really enjoyed it, yeah
1: Wow, but then do you have a thing like because like rugby in Hong Kong, I, at least from the local community, it's growing now. I've noticed like when I go to schools now and yeah. they have extra correct extracurricular activities that they have rugby as well. I'm like, wow, I'd never seen that in local schools before when I was growing up.
2: Yeah, I think... Is
1: this something that you're trying to push as well? Like your team or in general, do you see the trend for rugby in Hong Kong going towards more local?
2: Definitely. It's a sport, particularly rugby sevens. There's like Mm. less people on the team, so the focus is less on smashing people but more on running away from people. Yeah. Very much my my vibe. Right. Um, (laughs) But like... uh, (laughs) But uh, I think that Hong Kongers, you know, naturally we're we're smaller, but um, particularly local Hong Kongers are smaller, but way more agile and can be really, really quick and have like different skills that suit sevens really well. I think that is something that Hong Kong can be very good at. And our sevens team now, uh, I'd I'd say they're like the best the sevens team's ever been. The women and, and the men are very good too. But the women's teams in particular are like 90% local Chinese. And it's awesome to see that because it gives people role models. It gives young kids in, in local primary schools and stuff now role models to look up to in a sport which was uh, previously seen as like a Western sport. Right. Yeah. But it's very much not anymore. It's It can be played by everyone. And now it's being introduced into local schools as like part of the PE, you know, the sports that they play in yeah. PE. And often as some of the things that we did with sevens teams we do some media things but we'd also go to some local schools and yeah. try to teach a little bit of rugby obviously at that level we're just playing touch or tag so nobody freak out i all like yeah. tackling like <laughs> yeah, fine right. but like uh, <laughs> although that sounds fun yeah that's yeah. The next yeah. level that's next <laughs> lesson yeah but um no and it was really fun to see kids running around and having a good time and i think yeah like i said just providing some local chinese role models at a at a higher level at an international level so that people can look up to them and see Um, that they have a chance to to do well. You know, we went to the Hong Kong Women's 15s team. We're Mm. the first team in Hong Kong ever to go to a World Cup. So wow. we went in uh, 2017.
0: I mean, we got smashed,
2: but it was <laughs> it's fun. It's so amazing, I mean, hey! Yeah. yeah, But it was the first time men or women yeah. we've ever been to a world because you don't even see a
0: Hong Kong team on a lot of like a lot of the exactly. international big like meet yeah. like platforms. Yeah, we're on
2: like, ESPN and all this kind of stuff. So it was like, yeah, hell Where yeah. Where was know? it? Hong Kong. Uh, it was an island.
0: Wow, it was incredible. So yeah. this everyone is like huge there. Everyone
2: was huge. So yeah. We, E.g., our team was like an average weight of 60 kg, which is like, <laughs> which is like my weight. Me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's embarrassing. <laughs> you <know>. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. this interview. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but. So that's our average weight. And we got girls ranging from like 45 kg to, I think our heaviest was like 75, maybe like 80 at a push, right? Right. And we played against New Zealand, who were the world champions. And their average weight was, I think, 95 kg. And they had one girl that was 135
0: kg. (laughs) And for some reason, we just kept kicking to her. And I'm like, why? Yeah. But um. Is Is there no weight class like the UFC? No, no. 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 But it was
2: awesome. The fact that like... You know, 15 girls from Hong Kong are standing on that pitch watching the, the hacker. first of all, from the yeah, women. Yeah. And then we go into a game against the world champions knowing that, like, we're not quite at that level yet, but we deserve to be here because we, you know, we beat the, we, we qualified, you yeah. know, absolutely fair and square and we got in. And it's like, we are on TV around the world. It doesn't matter what the final score was. Side note: 121 <laughs> 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 nil. Doesn't matter. We were there, and for 80 minutes of that game, we tried as hard as we could. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, like providing role models. Like we're all different, like shapes and sizes, and we're local Hong Kongers. We're Westerners growing up in Hong Kong, but we all were there representing this little city on a world stage. And I think that was hugely important for rugby in Hong Kong. I That's mean, it's
0: really cool.
1: From what I hear. Your whole mentality seems to be very anti typical Hong Kong lifestyle, like doing the rugby, listening about traditional stories, and everything. Was there a moment when you you're living over here amongst friends or whatever that you just kind of looked around and said, you know, I don't think this is the the the, the I mean, the typical Hong Kong life is not the life that you seem to be enjoying or, or want. Is that a reason why you started doing all these different things, or is it just your your environment just happened to be so anti mainstream?
2: I, I think I just the way that my family brought my brother and I up was just to like follow what you enjoy and obviously you have to you know make ends meet but Mm. if you like something do it like my dad would always like throw a ball to my brother and I and just like play some sport with us and stuff. But he'd never treat my brother and I any different. You know, right. if he's going to throw a ball high for my brother, he'd throw it just the same height for me. So I never was like, oh, I'm a girl. I have to do other nice ballet and things like that. Mm. I tried ballet for like a few years. I was terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, so, like, I the average really weight for ballet is, oh, yeah, is 10, kilos. Kilograms. 10 yeah, 10 so. <laughs> No thanks. <laughs> yeah.
2: But yeah, so like that didn't put me in any kind of mold. And then when I said I wanted to try rugby, my parents were like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. And then, I love Hong Kong, and I think that even though I, I look white, I feel very Hong Kong in my heart, you know? And, um, as I said, when I was younger, my parents wanted me to integrate with Hong Kong culture as much as possible, and I wanted to explore that side, because I felt like the more I knew you know, Cantonese, and the more I knew Hong Kong culture, the more I sort of fell in love with it. So I wanted to go further down that, that route, and, um, as I did, it just developed, like, how much you love about the city. And I think that that was really important. So it, at no point was I like, oh, this is not what I'm meant to be doing, or this is not really the, the box that I'm meant to be in. It was like, oh, screw it. Just do what you enjoy and then see how you go with it. And really give a
1: shit if anyone judges you But it's very it. good yeah. point what you said earlier on that, you know, you don't feel white or whatever. You feel more like Hong Kong. And yeah. in many interviews for myself as well, people always ask me, you know, what do you think is a Hong Konger? To you mm. and I always say that Hong Kong's not a skin color; it's more a mindset. Yeah. Mm. Like you have to know the game. Like you know, the game is very simple. Don't don't. jun. Yeah. Don't be in my way when I'm trying to get my stuff done. <laughs> That's very simple. Like right. either you help me get which my which actually done.
0: explains all the the service stuff we were talking about exactly. earlier. Yeah. Like I don't I don't have time to chat yeah. with you about. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did you come here to eat? You did yeah. right.
1: Get that egg. Put yeah. it Why in your mouth. You get yeah, out. Get yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want you want to have a chat? <laughs> Go to <laughs> somewhere else. Like this yeah. is another place. So the American uh, dairy company is a good example of the one place Australian? that you don't want to. I'm sorry, the Australian yeah maybe. <laughs> so the, the that's a good example of it that's not a place to go and like hey how are the kids don't bring your laptop yeah, yeah don't yeah. bring okay, your laptop exactly yeah you can all, all the
0: that would be almost like a jackass style video Yes. Yeah, see, how long, bring your laptop. Yeah, yeah. see how long before you get kicked
1: yeah yeah how long they kick you out I, yeah.
0: yeah no you kick yourself <laughs> you like just like a open your laptop and someone will kick it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that
1: would be exactly or they immediately put some like d- a diarrhea powder or something oh, in your exit and you're like I gotta go now just on your
0: laptop you like oh whoops oopsie I mean I do even they would say sorry, to be honest. They're they like, won't. oh, here's your tea.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, because the table was full with your laptop, exactly. so I had to put it on your yeah. lap instead. <laughs> so what, what to you, what is a Hong Kong, like a Hong Kong? Because like a lot of these stories you have in the book, Sunset Survivors, is basically what built Hong Kong, right? When they first came and they were just part of Hong Kong, that's, and mm. it was as diverse as it could be. Today's Hong Kong, you would typically have the image of, you know, people going to work uh, and basically long hours and stressful mm. lifestyle. To you, what's a Hong Konger? Like, what would you explain if someone say hey what, what, what's a Hong Konger how would you explain it based on all the things you've experienced in yourself as well
2: I think it comes down to values and I think for me Hong Konger is someone that works incredibly hard or what they believe is the right thing to do and people that that's what differs right whether that's working or whether that's whatever um is up to you but I think so incredibly hard working um and the main thing for me is incredible family values so you, you yeah. respect your family and you work very hard for your family and you'll support your family no matter what and I guess the third one is this idea of face, right? Saving face. Yeah, right. And I think that's hugely important. The more you know about Hong Kong culture, the more you realize, like, you know, if you ask someone, like, how are you doing today? No yeah. one's going to be like, oh, I'm a bit down. Like, no one's going to say that. No, it's yeah. always Everyone's fine, like, fine, yeah. fine, fine, fine. Yeah. Why are yeah. you asking me? Yeah. 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 And I think that it's just really funny. And I think there's this, like, boisterous charm about Hong Kongers. as You, you know, like, when you go to Dai Pai Dong, like we were saying about the, the Cheong Fun place. It's like... Yeah. Hurry up, eat your chocolate, and then and then go, right? Yeah. But it's not mean; it's just funny. It's like this way. It's like just come on, let's keep going. Oh
1: it's, yeah, it's part of this like It's like encouragement, motivation, right? It's yeah, yeah, like, like the, the like the don't bum <laughs> around. Yeah, yeah, don't don't yeah. be up. Yeah, don't they're be like, a lazy like the ass. audience at the Olympics are not telling you to get lost. They're like run faster so you can yeah. win, right? Same thing, right? They're encouraging you to get get on with yeah. your day and do what you're trying to achieve. Exactly,
2: but like you said, Hong Kong is within you. It's not what you look like, and that's. I feel like i'm constantly trying to justify that because as somebody that looks white you know uh it's difficult and i've this whole third culture kid thing going on because i've never people are always like oh they were gacy funny i'm yeah, like no yeah. i'm not when from, are you going to go back to england right the, the back, right? Is like yeah, to yeah. back right To go back right not yeah. like are you going there on holiday yeah, it's yeah. Like, when are you returning to yeah, yeah. To?
0: because cassie yeah. is exactly the same cassie exactly. was a guest here a couple of times as well she yeah. is born here yeah. And she's just, she's a Hong Konger. And yes. people still ask and her. And she knows that. And she knows that, yeah. People
2: will always question it, but where no. are you really from?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, same for him. Yeah. yeah, same yeah same. And you get the whole
2: Indian thing. And he's, thing a, oh, yeah. and he's like, a celebrity.
0: His face is in the back of the bus. <laughs> yeah. And people yeah, all still question him. Seen it. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and also, you speak fluent Cantonese. It doesn't yeah. matter. Right. Like how much you know about Hong Kong culture or how much you speak it. People are always going to be like, oh, uh, hey, Kwai Mui. Like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind that, but it's like, I think the more you know about it, the more you can realistically justify it. Because if I didn't speak any Ch- any Cantonese or if I didn't know anything about Chinese culture and I was making taboos left, right, and center, then maybe it would be understandable that it's yeah. like, oh, okay, she's, she's not really from here. Yeah. But if you can show that you are, people have so much more respect for you and people really appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to get to know it. And the more I have got to know it, I know in myself, yes, this is my home and this is where I belong. And maybe I don't need to keep outwardly justifying it to everybody else i know it that's okay and yeah. but it's difficult when you don't look like where you're from because people will always question it but yeah. that's why i think
1: hong kong being a hong konger is more in your heart rather than what you look like on the outside yeah, yeah. absolutely it's really like a mind it's like a state of mind really yeah right and ultimately i tell you this though so the benefit of like someone like yourself and myself like basically not looking like the typical image of a hong konger but yeah. being as hong kong as we can people the day whenever you have a bad day just go out there and throw out a few Cantonese phrases and you're like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm awesome.
0: Yeah, People think yeah,
1: I'm the best yeah. thing ever.
2: Or say nothing and wait for people to bitch about you oh. on the
1: internet. Oh, yeah, he has a bit I about have a this. A whole bit really? about yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah whole does. thing about I love that. It. Yeah, yeah, it's the best. And, and yeah. I never get pissed off. I just I just sit there laughing, like, this is the best. Yeah. I'm sharing all these secrets. I, I,
0: I had a similar, not on the same level, but when I started picking up Mandarin to the point that I can understand random conversations around me. If I'm in a, also in China, is a lot more than here where you can just be the only foreigner in the entire car of mm. a metro or like on a train or something, especially if you're in the outskirts of a city. And I remember being in many situations when I'm the only foreigner and everyone is talking about me yeah. and I can not understand everything. And <laughs> it was <laughs> amazing.
2: <laughs> you have to laugh at it though. I oh, think yeah, if you yeah. get offended every single oh. time, it's going to be a nightmare. I know,
0: it was mostly but horrible things. They're yeah. making fun of me. They're saying I'm a terrorist. They, yeah, make, yeah, yeah. they oh, say God. I look like, oh yeah, yeah, it was oh, bad. Oh yeah, yeah, you get a lot of yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things. And, uh, yeah, but I'm just like...
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: but it's quite. it's quite... Eye-opening because you're like, this is what people are thinking. Yeah. Exactly, this yeah.
3: is
1: the stuff it's that like no one says to your exactly, face. Exactly, you can I'm almost hear it. their thoughts.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, <Like laughs> like, oh, there's a terrorist. I'm like, I feel bad. I should have brought a bomb or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> didn't disappoint them. Yeah. like, you didn't blow anything up. Like. <laughs> This guy sucks. <laughs> he <laughs> sucks at being a terrorist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. This guy and then is... Do you hit them with the Cantonese at the end? Or do you yeah, just... every now and then, That's I'm like, I to oh, <laughs> 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 And I'm, I'm I'm never rude. I'm never like, oh, what the hell? man, Because like, I can't fight, number one. I'm really terrible at fighting. Number two, yeah. like... You're I'm a
0: personal ar- trainer.
1: I was, was. Yeah. Two years, <laughs> way back, you know. But I mean, like, I can't fight. And also, I'm not the, the type to get into arguments. But what I will say, though, is that... Uh, A lot of times when people say that stuff and I speak in Cantonese, usually they're like embarrassed, but I kind of just shake it off like, ah, it doesn't matter. I get it. I would do the same if I were you anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But this is, a, I mean, I'll tell you this, though, this is a great conversation that we've been having on the book of Sunset Survivors. And I'm sure like if I was a listener, I would definitely want to still listen to this. And if yeah. you do want to do that, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash hoho pod and subscribe to our Patreon account. Yeah. Yeah. All right, great
0: segue there. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, what's next for you? Are you writing another book? Are you touring with the book? Are you talking to people? What's happening?
2: Um, At the moment, I go around to lots of schools and societies, um, introducing people to these old industries and talking about sunset survivors and hopefully trying to get children interested in Hong Kong culture in an effort to sort of like protect it in some way or document it as they get older. Yeah. But I'm also writing a book, um, a kid's book about nice. it's a very stupid stories about a wild boar that goes around hong kong trying different hawker stall food but again it's just a way <laughs> of getting youngest kids to understand <laughs> Hong Kong that's really culture. cool though yeah and then the other book which is quite funny is uh my friend and i have put together a book of hong kong slang so like loads of cantonese slang and nice. what the english translations yeah. may or may not
0: be i i would want to buy that yeah so okay, just, cool. yeah because like every time you go to a new country or a new culture yeah. you always learn the bad words first and if there is something handy yeah. but there's the so
2: many funny ones i
0: know exactly yeah. so i just want to like even if i don't speak the language, want to learn them just so i can be cool exactly. around my yeah, local very, friends yes it's yeah.
2: making me very uncool though asking my friends like all these things like hey hey what about this one what about this one? They're Like, right. yeah. please this is so old yeah, like, yeah. they yeah. change so quickly it's so that it's out yeah oh, right old. you're so old school lindsay i'm yeah, like yeah. Oh. <laughs> can't yeah. call anyone like MK anymore yeah anyone? yeah, yeah. That's no so that's old. like so 2015 i was like right. oh, yeah no. exactly yeah but yeah it's, it's great learning about them and i think any effort to learn more about the culture or the language it helps you integrate more and
0: people have a lot of respect for it so that's yep. awesome uh, Sunset Survivors do we find
1: it at Bookazine at bookstores yep. Like where Bookazine, is yeah
2: Bookazine lots of bookstores in Hong Kong or you can buy it directly off blacksmithbooks.com yeah,
1: yeah. sunsetsurvivors.com <laughs> that's sunset survivors not just one multiple survivors
0: sunsetsurvivors.com <laughs> check uh, it out and uh, social media is there is there yeah, somewhere where can people can find you
2: Instagram sunset survivors uh, or Facebook uh, I upload lots of different things to the Instagram page some more stories of some new people as well and some other little quotes and, and tidbits from some of the interviews yeah um, and also if anyone does know any small stores or any people running interesting old traditional industries uh, just drop me a message on Instagram and I'll try and go and talk to them if they'll have me and we can get document them and their stories before they disappear as well
0: that's awesome thank you so much for doing this this was such a fun chat
2: thank you so much for having me cheers